This podcast is a part of the Carbon Almanac Network of Podcasts. Hi, I'm Imma. I live in Scotland. Hi, I'm Jen and I'm from Canada. Hi, I'm Ola Banji and I'm from Nigeria. Hello, I'm Liki and I live in Paris. Hey, I'm Rod. I'm from Peru. Welcome to Carbon Sessions, a podcast with carbon conversations for every day with everyone from everywhere in the world. In our conversations, we share ideas, perspectives, questions, and things we can actually do to make a difference. So don't be shy and join our Carbon Sessions because it's not too late. Hi, I'm Jen. Hi, I'm Liki. And today we have a special guest with us. I'm very excited to reintroduce to you because you might not recognize her at first, but she is our introduction voice, Lori Sullivan, and she is the author of a fabulous new book called One Shade Greener at Home, a room-by-room guide to reduce toxins, lighten your environmental footprint, and live simpler. So welcome, Lori. Thank you. I'm glad to be here. And excited to be talking live and in person, not just on the intro. It's so great. So, Leaky, do you have a question to start us off with, maybe? Uh, yes. One question I was burning, burning, burning to ask um, is that, you know, we've been working on the Carbon Almanac together for a while since uh, I've joined and we've been working on different activities. And you never mentioned that you were writing a book. And I just, I don't know how I found out that you wrote a book, but I just somehow found out that you wrote a book. So I was wondering what was the, you know, what was the trigger? What was the trigger? Is it like a point you said, inside, I'm going to write a book. I'm going to write this beautiful book. So um, the book has actually been in my mind for probably eight to 10 years now. I had started a business called One Shade Greener back in 2010 and wanted to help businesses and individuals live more sustainably. But it was just, it was too early. And so when I got back involved with the Carbon Almanac, it was renewing that idea of, I think that there's a book here. I think there's a way to help homeowners move more quickly. And the time was just right. And so I think the Carbon Almanac was part of the trigger that got me back to writing the idea in my head. That's great. I have a question. In, you know, it's such a big topic. It's such a vast topic. How did you go about setting, you know, choosing what you wanted to include and what you wanted to not include? How did you go about that? Well, That was actually more difficult than I thought going into the process. I started to organize all the thoughts and ideas that I had, and suddenly it made sense to do the guide as room by room, because when we're making changes, we tend to be in one of the rooms. And instead of putting cleaning, for example, everywhere, like how to clean toilet is best in a bathroom section. You don't need to know that when you're in the kitchen. So the rooms came up quickly. And then from there, the structure underneath fell into place. And it evolved as the book itself evolved. 
And actually, the book is very well made because、um, it is structured room by room. So you go to, and I'm looking at、uh, at the index. You start with,、uh, you know, you can just choose a room.、Uh, like it starts with the with the family room, the kitchen, the dining room, the office, and it goes. It's really you go room by room. What I particularly like about this book is that it's really well organized. Like when you read a chapter, and it can get overwhelming, knowing, learning about all the things you can do in the specific room to improve the sustainability, and then to help relieve that、um, overwhelm, you did something that I think very, very smart is that you give、uh, the five fast five, the fast fives, the fast fives are five things that you can do to jumpstart your cleaning the room and make it more sustainable. And I think this is brilliant because、um, because it helps tackle this、yeah. feeling to overwhelm. One of the big things I knew going into the book is that what holds people back a lot is time. We're all so busy, and we have so many commitments already in our life that I wanted to make it a resource guide that you could go to, and you could go as deep or as light as you wanted to. So the fast five was a way that if you don't even have time to read the chapter. Just read this last page, and it can give you five good tips in that room. That's why the structure is,、um, again, so intuitive. I want you to be able to jump to a chapter, jump to a topic, get the information you need, and come back to it again and again. I'm not sure I ever see anyone reading this book cover to cover the way that you would、um, a more traditional book. So it's more of a reference. Yes, and there's a lot of brand suggestions and ideas throughout. So, for example, if you're looking for a new dish soap, there's brands referenced, and they're categorized. There are three categories for all of the brands. The first is light green, and those are brand choices who have improved the ingredients of the product. So it's pulling out those toxins. The second level is dark green, and so those brands have better ingredients, but they've also removed or improved the packaging, specifically getting rid of the plastic packaging wherever possible. And then there's DIY suggestions as well, so ways that you can actually make dish soaps, laundry detergents, etc. at home. I haven't read the book yet, but、uh, I'm looking forward to doing that. Is it is it for the homeowner, or is it for a business, or can it be used for for both? Because I know you said you started off helping businesses. Yeah, this is more geared at the home, so it is going through rooms of the home. I have started the process of one shade greener at work. But the reason I think One Shade Greener at Home was the right first book is because every organization is, in the end, just made up of a lot of people who own homes. And I think starting your sustainability journey at home, you learn a lot. You learn a lot about recycling and toxins and packaging. And no matter what your role is at work, you can start to take those learnings and insights into the office every day, and look for ways to innovate at work. So, it's definitely focused on home. 
but what I hope is it inspires action at work. Um, this book is intended for an American audience, isn't it? This is when I read it. I there are a lot of brands, not all of them, uh, but um, a lot of brands I have never heard of because I've never really lived in the U.S. But I find it very valuable because I, even though you know I didn't know the brands, I learned some tips that I could use right away, like. You know, I have this um, fear of polluting the earth with uh, painting the rooms because um, I don't know what to do with the brushes. You know, how to clean the brushes after I finish the paint because it's all covered with with uh, with paint. So what I used to do is to throw them away. You know, every time I I paint a room or I I use my my brush, I throw them away. And I know that it's not something I should do. There, there might be ways, but I didn't know where to look for the information. And also, I didn't know where to. I can, you know, what I can do with the paint, um, the remain of the paint, how to discard them. And I don't. I didn't want to feel guilty and to feel responsible for polluting. So I ended up not doing that very often. And um, you know, very few times I paint my house was. Uh, through people I hired, otherwise I couldn't find a solution. So I would like to thank you for that. <laughs> yeah, I and that's what I'm hoping. It was a tough decision for me. As I started writing the book, I started to realize that it was very difficult to write for the global community. Um, different countries have different appliances. The brands are different and the, the level of recommendations I wanted to make needed to be a bit specific to the individual countries. So I was hopeful that there were tips in the book, like the how to dispose of paint that Leaky just referenced, that would be applicable globally. And, you know, hopefully someday people in other countries might pick up the structure of the book and maybe we can find the brands in other countries for the more detailed references. It was, it was though a tough decision to have to just make it, I would say North American focused, not necessarily just the U S but definitely North American brands are, are the feature. So I, I, I feel like we're being left hanging here because I haven't read the book yet and I don't know how to dispose of paint and I paint all the time. So can you give us that tip so we get a taste? So, I, you know, you don't want to rinse your brushes out in the sink because if you're if you're rinsing them out in the sink, it's just going down and it's just not not good overall. So the best thing to do is to fill a small container with water. Um, this is assuming you're using a water-based paint. You can like dip your brushes, get it all cleaned in that little container. And essentially you just let the water evaporate and then dispose of the container after that. Um, the paint itself, if there's just a small amount in the bottom of the can, you wanna let it completely dry and then dispose it that way. Or uh, you can take Obviously, you can take paint to uh, toxic waste days. Do they have those globally? I mean, here in the U.S., there are days in the community when you can bring your hazardous materials in. Uh, paint is one of them. So 
You can always drop them off there. Or a resource I use quite a bit is earth911.org. And you can put anything in that you're looking to get rid of that shouldn't go in your garbage. And it will tell you locations in your area where you can have it recycled or handled properly. Thank you. That's great. Yeah, we have um we take our paint cans to a recycling depot. Um and and we have a fairly complicated recycling system in our home. <laughs> uh so that we we take things to different places around the city depending on who takes what. And there's a big one in Vancouver that we go to probably 3 or 4 times a year that you park your car and you get out and there are all these stations and you take things to all the about 12 different stations where you put specific things in specific bins um, that they will take there that often they don't take at the regular recycling place. So, But we do have places like that here as well in, in Canada. Yeah. I have a question. Um, while we're waiting for Christina to join us, I would like to, sh- to ask you one of her questions. She was wondering... Um, how was the process of testing all these products? Because you say that in your book you listed, I think, 200 products. Uh, so that, that was um, the initial question. Did you test all them? And the second question related to that is, how do you, do you keep this list updated? Because I assume that when you started writing the book, um, you, know, you started with a list of products, but there are new products that, are, that could be better. Um, all the time. So is, do you have a process for testing the products that you, um, that you recommend in the book? So a couple of things on that. I have used many, but not every brand that is mentioned in the book. So I wanted to make sure that I was giving people a bit of choice. Um, so for example, if I had only used one laundry detergent, I didn't want to suggest that that is the absolute best laundry detergent out there. So what I did instead was a lot of research. I looked on sites like the Environmental Working Group and what are their ratings of different products. There are ratings out there for different clothing brands, as well as spent a lot of time on the website of the companies trying to learn about their values, learn about where their products are made, how the workers are treated. There are a lot of the brands that are extremely transparent on their website. So they list every ingredient in the product so that you know there isn't a chemical or toxin in there that you're not comfortable with. So those that I haven't tried, I did a lot of vetting betting on their websites and with third parties. Oh, and the second part of your question, which I'm just remembering, is how do you keep this list up to date? You know, I think that's going to be a tough one because things do change so quickly. And I think we are all excited that we keep seeing more and more environmentally friendly products out there. So I guess one of my wishes would be that this book can't keep up with the pace of change and that there's a need in five or seven years for another version or an update with new brands. That's a, that's a hope because that means 
companies are really starting to change and make a difference. The low fidelity way that I currently have is a spreadsheet. And so when I see a new brand, I add it to a spreadsheet I have and post about it on my blog. That's the way that I'll start communicating new brands. You have to share with us the link to your blog because I didn't know that there was a blog. <laughs> the blog is actually easy because it's oneshadegreener.com. Oh, okay. So easy. Oneshadegreener.com. So what, Lori, have you learned through this whole process? What stands out for you as you have uh, completed this book and now it's out in the world? It's a really interesting question. I think that I realized that I have really learned a lot in the changes I've made at home over the last 10 years. And I don't think I was talking about them. I mean, that's at home. Like you're you're doing laundry, you're you're using household products. It's not like you go to work or social events and have conversations about these things. But now that the book is out, I feel like I'm having more conversations with people. You know, people will ask me questions, we'll talk about products, they'll let me know brands that maybe they've found that I've not heard of before. So I think the biggest change is just more dialogue, which is part of what I hoped for the book, is that it would encourage people to make some transitions, whatever makes sense for them, um, and start conversation. And have you had um, feedback? Have you heard from people? Like I'm wondering, you know, if there was there was something that stood out for you in in what people how people have responded to this book. I think, you know, there's been a lot of moments that were exciting for me. Um, Seth Godin did a review and said that I was the Marie Kondo of sustainable living, and that was really fun. Uh, People have shared with me fun little facts from the book. I remember one conversation where there's a tip in the kitchen section about using bread that, um, you know, would go to waste to make croutons. And she mentioned how her kids stopped eating the crust of bread and she was getting so frustrated and didn't know what to do with the crust. And now she's making croutons. So learning the little ways that the book has inspired people or even, you know, Leaky's story about the paint. It's it's just fun to hear people's stories and what they pulled or took away from the book. What I've um felt from reading the book is that yeah, well, this is I'm probably influenced by the Murray Kondo analogy because it sparks when you talk about, you know, this things, it sparks joy. <laughs> <laughs> and um and yeah this reminds me of you know you were talking about you starting implementing more sustainable practices in your home but um you were the only one or you started and uh, you didn't really care that your uh, husband wasn't paying really paying attention or your kids were not helping but slowly gradually little by little they'll join you and so is there something that you could um help our listeners or your readers 
um, you know, help them to have this discussion with people around them. They'll help them, you know, um, enroll people in in this journey. Yeah, I, I've got a couple of thoughts to that. Um, the first is just the name of the book itself and the brand that I started. So the whole philosophy of One Shade Greener is it's not like a race or a competition. Start from where you are. And so if you're not very green at all, we're not looking for someone to flip to completely dark green in a matter of moments. Just make changes that feel right to you. And then you can look back five years from now and see that you made a big difference. And I think that that's where I was when I started at home. Like there is so much that you can personally change. So if you are picking up a Starbucks coffee every morning, bring your own mug. Like this is this is you. It's not about your whole family. It's a change you can make. You are probably in charge of purchasing your own clothes. At my house, I was in charge of the laundry. I did all of the laundry. And so I just changed our laundry products. Now, if there would have been a big backlash on my laundry doesn't smell right or feel right or whatever, we could have had a conversation, but no, no one said anything. So I just made changes in the laundry room. And then, and so I feel like I started with the changes that were within my span of control. And I knew that I couldn't convince anyone immediately to start making changes. And hopefully by demonstrating some, they would follow over time. But I wanted them to make the, their own choice and be on their own individual journeys. And that is my philosophy, that I think sometimes the more we try to push people to make change, they resist the change. And so I just want to present the option and simple things you can do that will protect our environment. But when you read the book, you'll also see that it not only helps the planet, if you get the toxins out of your products, it's actually helping the people in your home. And then some of the ideas are also going to help your pocketbook. So there's, there's ways you can save money by living a greener lifestyle as well. I love that. Uh, I firmly believe in that live by example and and especially kids they're so they're so attuned to things. It was during not I guess it was a few months ago that it was really hard it was really expensive to buy lettuce. And it wasn't gardening season and um and I had gotten one of those hydroponic things to grow lettuce in the house but it hadn't grown yet. So we bought and and I just resist doing this anyway, but there wasn't an option because the, there wasn't enough lettuce in the stores. I don't know what was going on. But anyway, we ended up buying a box of that organic lettuce. And well, you'd think we'd done something absolutely horrific because our kids are like, you have boxed lettuce in the fridge. What is wrong? Is something going on? Like we'd committed a crime. And I thought that was really <laughs> funny because um, they they clearly notice yeah. that we almost never buy lettuce in a plastic box, right? <laughs> and I thought, well, good. They're noticing. 
they're noticing when we do something that's outside of our ordinary um, and then they're questioning us on it, which I also thought was good. I felt a little guilty. but <laughs> I said, at least it's organic. I don't understand why organic lettuce has to be in a box, but you know. Yeah. Anyway. But yeah, I think the living by example is a, a good one. Well, and yeah. everyone also just needs to start wherever they are. I mean, we know globally the U.S. is behind a lot of other countries in in environmental aspects, many, many of them. And so someone who is in France, like Leaky, might take different things from the book than someone here in the U.S. So it's all a matter of starting where you are and seeing what else can you do. And like you said, lead by example. I'm going to ask you a question from Christina, who I've been trying to join this call, but unfortunately uh, she hasn't been successful, so she gave up. So her question, because she had a lot of questions, and one of her questions was, did you look at the timing of cleaning with changing tides, or are there any unconventional ways to approach this? And she was thinking of the book Moon Time, the art of harmony with nature and lunar cycles. That is one that I did not look into, but I can tell you I'm completely fascinated and I have put the book on my to-be-read list. So I've been thinking a lot lately about how the moon cycles impact our environment and how they impact us as well. I actually went to a full moon ceremony a few weeks ago and we had the discussion about how our bodies are made primarily of water so that it's no wonder that we feel things at different times of the month just like the tide comes in and out um, impacted by the moon so I think there's something interesting there but I have not heard of like cleaning in relation to the moon so I'm excited to learn more I also think it's interesting the innovation that can start coming, not necessarily from the moon, but from nature. I was able to rewatch the screening of Beyond Zero about a month ago. And, you know, just hearing how they took concepts from nature to come up with things like removing the glue as the interface to keep the carpet tiles down. I just continue to believe there's so much we can learn about nature and its systems and how to help us innovate toward a more sustainable future. Yeah, actually, we did a conversation with uh, a while ago with Brian and Christina on biomimicry, and we had so much fun that we will do it again. Yeah, I think that's really cool. Yeah. So, Lori, if you wanted to sum up this book in one call to action, what would what would it be? One call to action. It's interesting because the first place my mind went was to a tip. And then because I couldn't decide between tips, it immediately went to start by starting. My My one tip is to take a step. Whatever step in whatever room that feels right for you. And if you begin the journey 
you may suddenly find yourself very interested, reading more, looking into more ideas, and then you just keep moving down that path, becoming a little bit greener every day. So my tip, start. Start, start with something little. It's <laughs> great because we can all do that. <laughs> I think it's a great way to start and uh, a great piece of advice to end this conversation. That's right. Well, thank you so much, Lori, for, uh, for sharing your book with the world and for coming here to talk to us. And we're so excited to hear your voice live. Yeah. <laughs> we love hearing it as our intro, but it's so great to actually see you and talk to you and um, know that you're, you're doing your step in the world and uh, you're making a big difference. So thank you. Well, thank you. And thanks for having me on. Okay. Thank you. You've been listening to Carbon Sessions, a podcast with carbon conversations for every day with everyone from everywhere in the world. We'd love you to join the Carbon Sessions so you too can share your perspectives from wherever you are. This is a great way for our community to learn from your ideas and experiences, connect, and take action. If you want to add your voice to the conversation, go to thecarbonalmanac.org slash podcasts and sign up to be part of a future episode. This podcast is also part of the Carbon Almanac Network. For more information, to sign up for the emails, to join the movement, and to order your copy of the Carbon Almanac, go to thecarbonalmanac.org. Be sure to subscribe and join us here again as together we can change the world.